All right, how's it going? My name is Matt Barr. You're listening to the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. It's the show where I try and uncover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavors. Thank you for checking this episode out and I hope you enjoy it. If this is your first time listening to the show, make sure you check out the show notes over at my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. All right, let's not mess around. I've got Terry Heineken on the show today. Sorry, in joke for my UK Snowboard Gen X crew there, because that is indeed how Snowboard UK magazine referred to Terry A. Harkinson for a good few years in the early 1990s. Anyway, as mentioned last week, I decided to try and turn the current restrictions to my advantage and finally tick off some of those big name guests I've had on the list for a while. Because that's the problem with having a rule about doing them in person. It means you've got to do them in person, which sort of limits the number of people you can get on there. But now, I can go for anyone. Which is why my first port of call was Terrier. Now, before I give you some context as to how this one came about, let me explain something. Whenever I get one of the big guns like Terrier on the show, I get a lot of new listeners who are, shall we say, unfamiliar with the podcast and my style of presenting. And let me tell you, that's when people get really annoyed by a lengthy intro. Take the lad who got in touch after the Jeremy Jones episode the other year to offer me some advice. No way do you need a six minute intro explaining who Jeremy Jones is. Thanks for that, mate. I mean, obviously it was a bloke. First time listener, yeah? So yeah, if you're another first time listener who sat there thinking, what is this guy talking about? Where the fuck is Terrier? He'll be along in a moment. Don't stress. I mean, what else are you going to do? Could be worse. I could be tip and tailing this thing with really shit adverts like every other podcast in the world. So count yourself lucky. Anyway, Terrier. So I go back a long way with Terrier. First met him in 2005 when I interviewed him for White Lines magazine. And we hit it off during that chat, mainly because we spent most of the interview talking about football. And we stayed in touch and we eventually became mates. I mean, we haven't hung out loads over the years. After all, he's in Oslo and traveling the world. I'm in Brighton. But when we do, it's a good laugh. If he's in the UK, we normally hang out. If I'm in Oslo, very rarely, then we'll hang out. Like the time I stepped in as a ringer on his five-a-side team and didn't get a kick. I can confirm they're pretty good at football that lot. Anyway, at one point, it's about a decade ago this, I was going to write his biography. And we came up with this great idea and pitch for it. But we couldn't get it off the ground for a variety of boring industry reasons. The point is... He's been on the list for a while, given that we are mates, and we've never quite been able to get it off the ground. We were going to try and do it in Lax last year, but it was too hectic. And then the latest plan was him for him to come over to the UK to watch a game. He's a Chelsea fan. I'm a United fan, Manchester United, obviously. Um, but then that fell through. We were going to try and do it this spring, but, you know, they cancelled the league. So there you go. Um, so as it was, I decided to call his bluff, send him a mic, and arranged to sit down and record this one over Zoom. So that's what we did. And you'll be glad to hear it's an all-encompassing chat that takes in most of Terrier's career and also addresses a couple of the recent controversies, you might say, that Terrier's been involved in. And yes, we did end up talking about the Olympics, which was inevitable, really. Hard to avoid that one. Anyway, obviously, it was a total privilege to catch up with a friend I've not chatted to for a few years and also to get one of the all-time legends onto the show. So here it is, me and uh, Terry Heineken. Enjoy. You're not on lockdown, are you, though? 
Uh, no, it's not a complete lockdown. It's, you know, it's like... Uh, as long as you keep distance, you can go anywhere. I'm not sure. We went up to Trivan and Villa a couple of days ago. Uh, with Mikkel, Christopher, and then with our snow skates. And it was crazy. It was just like being there on a regular day. It was that many people there. Really? Hiking. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So is it, are people taking it seriously over there? Or, or, or like, or is it still kind of... Have you... I think most people are, you know, but, you know, there's not that many cases. But uh, you're not allowed to go to your cabin or your holiday house. So over... 700 meter is the most snow in 20 years so it's amazing oh up there, right man now. really <laughs> could, have, could have been amazing right. easter but you know and i i like the soccer fields they start locking the goals together but they open those again right um so something some th- stuff they are already locked down they they opened again but um yeah i don't get everything you know but um, I don't know. I haven't been explained everything either. So what about the about the lock about the distance and and those things? Yeah, on certain things, I, I totally get it. When you go in the back country and you need people to save other people, and then you know uh, clinics and hospitals are full, and we need all the people. But like, it's not that big over here. So it's like I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say. I don't think. I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? They don't really. They still don't really understand like how it spreads like super quickly or, or like what what effect it has. So I guess um, they're just being super cautious, aren't they? Because I think you guys are probably. I don't know. Maybe two three weeks behind us, really, in terms of like how severe it is. So maybe maybe you'll you'll start getting more serious measures in a little while because we were the same two weeks ago we were like everyone's like what like what's what's the fuss but you know we're starting to see like a thousand people a day die here so yeah that's definitely changing people's attitudes we started with our corona routine earlier than you guys yeah we were pretty late uh, <laughs> yeah but uh sweden doesn't do it a different way and there's it's crazy how many you know like theories there are about this things but I don't know. I'm pretty lucky to be in Norway. I think you know our our friends down in in the Alps. They they can just go to the store, and if they try to hike a little farm hill, they get a ticket. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like Tyrol got it pretty bad, I think, and I think Verbier got it pretty bad as well, from what I heard. Because I had some friends in Zillatal, and well, we both got friends in Zillatal, obviously. Yeah, I think a lot of people got infected there. So it's a pretty serious lockdown down there, right? Yeah, it's it's serious. And uh, it's pretty funny because I like now with that, a lot of people have, let's say they have extra time or they start sending videos and theories and, and researches from every angle. So it's pretty funny because... I like to get them and I, I just look at everything, you know, I don't pro- like, you know, I don't believe everything or, but some is kind of logical or some is not really claiming, it's just information, but I send it to certain people too. And some people get really pissed when they <laughs> hear about other people's opinion. <laughs> like alternative theories on it. 
Yeah. You know, like, oh, this guy's stupid. He doesn't have anything to back it up with. Yeah. And then there's other, and then there's other just like facts. There's no saying what it is, but it's kind of like, uh, I think especially down in Central Europe where they've been eating antibiotics and penicillin for like candy. And a lot of people say that has a big effect. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see because a lot of people in certain countries, they get all this antibiotics and other drugs through the, the meat and the fish they eat. Yeah. So, so if that has something to do with it, that'd be interesting to see. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of fallout, isn't there, from this? You know, a lot of... Because no, like you said, no one knows. No one knows how it affects people. Because the other strange thing about it is like how differently it seems to affect people. You know, because originally they said uh, it doesn't affect young people. But like over here, we had a five-year-old kid die this week. And, you know, so even that's like changing all the time. Have you, so you put, you put on Insta that you've, you'd felt some symptoms. Did you, did you feel like when you were, when you got back from your last trip that you'd maybe had something? Yeah, because I haven't really been sick or had a fever for a while. But I did, you know, like I came from one party in Lux. I had a day of rest and I had another long dinner. Let's call it a long <laughs> dinner. <laughs> with with people who were leaving the X Games when I got back on Monday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday... And maybe a little bit of Friday. I was a little under the weather. And I felt like when I walk, I was walking stairs. And I just felt like I was breathing thin air. And that was something I, I didn't really feel. But I didn't have a headache. And I didn't really cough. So, you know. And then you, you're not able to be tested. So, I don't know. But uh, I stayed low for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Two and a half weeks. You, you did the quarantine thing? Yeah. But I checked with all my friends I've been with. And nobody, everybody's fine. Right. So I think it's a good learning experience for everybody. Yeah. In what way? Just, you know, like the importance of things and, you know, like everybody's kind of in the rat race, you know, like, and now the rat race kind of stopped and then people are getting other problems because they're not making money and, you know, everything is stopping, but all the good things that comes out from it too so like with the environment and people slowing down a little bit yeah are you finding that in your life are you are you seeing are you enjoying the different pace that you're finding yeah well i'm pretty like spoiled on that kind of thing you know so i'm part privileged uh but i notice people around me and other things you know like uh i just had a little scope on my meniscus and I have a a little tight neck so I'm doing rehab anyway so I'm not really doing too much different you know like we're allowed to go to the stores and you know we're allowed to be outside so it's not too much difference for me yeah have you what so what's your routine like at the minute are you are you, are you have you changed anything or is it like you're saying just kind of pretty pretty similar to how it always is we're probably cooking more uh like trying to learn stuff in the kitchen more 
Um, but other than that, and then I actually, yeah, I'm catching up on things that now that all the government paperwork, we don't have to like, <laughs> hurry up. So I'm actually starting to look at old DVD tapes and looking at old hard drives and ah, nice. Yeah, like clean clean the basement, you know, like stuff I never really have time to. <laughs> time to yeah, do. yeah, my garden's never been so tidy. It's like that, isn't it? All those like to do list things that you maybe put off. From, you know, you can kind of get onto them now. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people are catching up on things. It's like over here, it's it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of like everybody's just having a holiday, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought it's like actually, yeah, for my kids too. They're they're doing online school and and uh, yeah, they're doing great and they kind of like it, you know. Like my my middle kid, he misses his friends a lot, like because he plays a lot of soccer and and stuff like that too. But I think that's a good experience too, just to learn in a different way too. Because I don't know, like you know the. the it's other ways to learn. You don't really have to be in a classroom. You know, a lot of people do online schools and courses. And so, well, I think that's going to be one of the really interesting parts about this. Like, cause you know, everyone's like now working from home, aren't they? Especially in the UK, you know, all those kind of structures that you've had of like, you got to go to an office, you got to go to school. You don't really need to do it. I think like, it's going to be quite interesting to see if people accept it when you go back especially like working from home because you you know like for my the people that i work with we're all working from home i i, I don't think we're going to go back to the way it was because everybody's in, in a way it's it's been it's given everyone more freedom that because you can be more control of your time and and try try a different way yeah it's definitely discipline though because uh I think if you have a home, like most people work better, I think, with an office, actually a place you have to go to. Because uh, as my friend tried to explain it, he goes like having a home office is just like smoking weed all day because you don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Freelancers lie down. Yeah. So I don't know, but it works. I think it works for some people, and you know. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, lot of, uh, lot of fucking around, putting off the work. It actually worked. I was just thinking about that because I used to have an answer machine, and you can be any like you can be around the world, but you can always call your answer machine and listen to your messages. So even back in the nineties, early nineties, when we had answer machines, I could still be in a dif- different country and kind of pretend I was somewhere else. <laughs> That's a good trick. And so you actually, do you still listen to your answer phone messages? Because fuck me, I can't remember the last time I did. I don't have a, I don't, ha- I don't have a voicemail or like yeah, answer. Yeah, I just ignore them, forget them, delete straight away. Yeah, I think it's just that, you know, like you'll get a text if it's really important. Uh, yeah. So how, how was the winter? Because I missed you in Lax. Because obviously you were saying you were in Lax and that was for the bank slalom, right? Yeah. Is that your last trip before you came, before you came home? Yeah, well, the last snowboarding trip was actually the US Open where I, I rode a little bit. But uh, I had a pretty rough year in a way. Not like it's been hard or anything. It's just been a little frustrating with injuries and and uh, little body pains. Uh, I scoped my left knee 
end of October, my meniscus. Uh, scoping the meniscus is an easy process. You know, you, you can, you maybe have four days of crutches, not even that. And then as soon as it's swelling it down, you can start biking. And like, you can bike after a couple of days and it's just, it's like a, one of the smallest things you can do. Uh, so I did like the rehab and I went to Japan before Christmas and we did some mountain clinics and not really there for the powder. We're just trying to get, um, like with the mountain clinics, just teaching people how to wax their board, dress properly, and just uh, kind of looking at the condition situation and making the best out of it. Um, did that before Christmas. And then uh, right after New Year, I went to Baldface. Uh, Burton Snowboard's making a new movie this year. So we had our first shoot. Um, how's, how's that? It was, um, we didn't score like the, we were only there for like, so it's like three and a half days. And then, so we had one and a half day, but we had a little crust layer. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We, but not for, not epic for filming because, uh, they kind of set up this shoot as a pow surf shoot too. And the first days we couldn't barely, we were not using them. We were actually riding the cat tracks. That was amazingly fun. It's like a right. two kilometer long half pipe almost. <laughs> wow, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I stayed in BC and I, I hooked up with like Mikkel and Mikey Wrench and uh, Mark Solers. Uh, Mike Morris came and then Ben came later. But uh, so we're doing backcountry, but I had like a pinch nerve in my neck. So I was kind of like taking it a little slow. And then it's starting to get better, and this cold front was coming in. But then uh, I did the old uh, old trick, the the knee to the chin or knee to the lip, and knocked myself out pretty. You hard. put that on Insta, didn't you? Yeah, I saw that. They split. Did you split your lip? Maybe. Yeah, two two places, uh, right under the lip, and then on top of it. So it's like a whole trip. Uh, pretty lucky no broken teeth they got a little i'm using these little plastic things to try to get back my my proper bite they're kind of hitting each other uh pretty funny mark mike morris did the same thing three days before me and it's kind of when you're in the back country you have to like normally go really far to get stitches but uh wiggly's heli resort was in the same town and they have doctors there so we were able to sew us together and then it's pretty funny the doctor there too because you know he he skis with the clients and he's you know he has his little garage studio clinic and he just looked at me and he goes like hmm you really fucked your shit up huh it's like okay (laughs) (laughs) so mark only got five stitches and i got i got 12 all together i think big lip uh, and then uh, I went home to just rest up and I was going to go to oh, I went to the Blauvels and then I was going to go to Baker but already at Jake Blauvels I was like my neck was not really handling the snowboarding so it's been pretty slow I went to Baker but I've been like eating painkillers and stuff like not like strong painkillers but like the Tylenol or the Advil just those few days I was riding and then 
I was like, I like, I was supposed to like go back to BC with those guys, and then I was like, I'll go to the open, and I just keep it mellow, and then I will get my MRI there, and then I'll scope my other because I'm doing that in the Vale at the clinic there, Stedman Clinic. Uh, then I'll scope my other knee. I know it's like two more months of really good, um, good conditions, but uh, I just had to fix my neck. And then the knee will take. You know, I'm already like snow skating now, but my my neck is gonna take some more time. Yeah, what did you do? Uh, I've been living. You know, I'm almost fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't want to say. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I play a lot of chess on my mobile phone. No, so like, yeah, uh, it's been a while since I had a slow season like this one. So even though Burton is making a movie, I was like, you know, I, I got to make some plans. So I'll, I'll get my powder on the Southern Hemisphere, maybe, probably not this year. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I also think, uh, I also, I'm pretty sure Burton is going to go for uh, another season because yeah, we didn't get the trips we wanted to do, etc. So, uh, we another winter, hopefully. You, you mean with you? I think with every, like the whole movie, but like, you know, the, there's a bunch of people in the movie, but I think, um, yeah, we're like some of the best filming month is March and April, and that's pretty much been shut down. So, uh, it wouldn't be a good movie if it will come out. Yeah, you're gonna need a little bit more time, I think, than that. Aren't yeah. You? Um, can we uh, can we talk about Jake? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because that, that was obviously another another big thing that happened this year that um that you know obviously affected you pretty pretty, yeah. pretty personally. Hopefully, I won't start crying now, but it's. Uh, we can talk about all the positive things. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you said to me at the time, we, um, I messaged you about the piece I did for Curator. And you said that he was the most generous, positive guy you'd ever met. So that's pretty positive. Yeah. Uh, I always like to bring up... It's kind of funny because um, Jake was starting to do a documentary before he passed away. And... Uh, And a lot of people have been doing interviews. So they did a lot of interviews in Vail. And uh, Vail is like 3,000 meters. And you know when you get on the airplane and whatever, you get a little more emotional and there's a different pressure. And I thought about it. I'm like, dude, like everybody they interview, everybody must have been like crying their eyes out. Because I, I even haven't gotten to Jake and they start asking me about Jamil, Jeff, Anderson and Craig and I just you know I couldn't even hardly talk after that so and you know like for Jake it's like obviously he's like his dedication to snowboarding has been like unreal and then just promoting snowboarding not just Burton is like something that no other CEO have done you know for snowboarding uh, for everybody's benefit everybody's benefit he's been like uh, just promoting snowboarding and you know more mainstream than anybody and and you know he kept his stuff like he done 
a lot of stuff with research for like products you didn't even like people don't even know how much money they use and some of the trying to make stuff better and you know sometimes it works and sometimes <laughs> it doesn't work and that's a lot of money that when stuff doesn't work even like with the step on you know they've been trying and testing and trying and trying and testing and then so like that um dedication to the sport and it's just uh, pretty unbelievable at the same time he he also probably thought you know like more people how to snowboard than most snowboard instructor and resource have just because he just likes it and just like to like trigger them to do that uh, and uh, I think probably he's like the one of the few like founders or boss that has been to competition from grassroots level to the World Cup and more than anybody you know like I'm sure the surfing industry has one of those guys or, or the skateboarding may you know have that but in snowboarding it's it's I was just amazed in the 90s and stuff just unexpected unannounced he would just show up to just come and watch Alexi, Sebu, Brian and me in this uh, World Cup down in Europe, not even like that big, just a random World Cup. It was coming like support us, check us out, ride a little bit with us, and then it will cruise. That's one of the things that really came came across afterwards, like how much he he obviously loves snowboarding, and it sounds like a really obvious thing to say. And I I think what what I thought one of the shame about the whole thing when he died was like I just thought I hope he knew I hope he knew how much people respected him because you know it can it, it can be fashionable in snowboarding to sort of knock Burton and you know kind of say oh you know Burton like people can it can be a bit of a fashionable thing to do but like you say he basically gave everybody the industry really you know he had the vision he was the one that kind of that kind of created the industry that we've got now and I think when when he passed, that was kind of what the main thing that came out in the tributes that I thought. It was suddenly everybody actually realizing that and kind of saying, actually, we all owe this guy everything that we've got, especially if, you know, you've had a career in this industry. You know, he, he it, it's down to him, really. And I just kind of thought, fuck, I hope he knew that. I'm just, I, I don't know. But, you know, it, it's always the way when somebody passes away afterwards everybody you know all the tributes come out and people talk about how much they meant to him i just i just yeah i think he knew but like you know that's just uh you know when anybody dies it's always like stuff that comes out that you know like for a company or somebody being successful you're also a target for a lot of people and that's the people that's the way they're going to target they're going to target the the leader or the one who is the biggest and uh, and like and that all, will always happen, I think. And then you know people pass away, and then they they will get a lot of credit. But <laughs> um, I think he knew. I think he was in a good place. Um, you know, he 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 went through some some hurdles. He's you know six seven last years, but also he. You know, he lived it up 
to the max and got really back to the stuff you actually love doing you know like the ceo part he he backed out of that a long time ago but then he he got more back into it but then he just got into like developing products you know he was just like a team writer and he was just so much ex- excited about it we go to his house and we just like he has a showroom at his house and then he would just like check him out like he would just like oh yeah and i thought about this and he has like a lot of good ideas and then uh you know like i work with a different line and you know we have our intern like i'll i'll do better than you and then he will i will i will steal something that he did and then he will steal something that somebody else did and but he was just he's passionate about it and trying to make stuff better and, and functional and pretty incredible and i think you just love doing that and then didn't have to deal with like well uh you know donna had to deal with a lot of the uh, let's say it's you know more complicated and boring more of the harder stuff (laughs) the business the business stuff yeah and he was just back to being a team rider he snowboarded probably way more than i did the last years and then you know, this traveling, snowboarding, sharing, and then doing these like products. It was like with the Mine 77, but like it's like so much good stuff came out of that. And it was, you know, truly good to see. When did you last see him? I saw him at the bank slalom the last time. He came here to to Norway to just check out Mikkel Banks bank slalom up in Hamsedal. Uh One of the things that you said um, when we were talking at the end of last year was that he sh- he taught you a lot. He taught you a lot of life qualities. Because obviously you knew him a long time, right? You knew him since you were a boy, really, I guess. So what what are some of the things that you learned from him? Um, you know, it's like learned a lot from is like how generous he was with people. Um, and then like also the stuff like not just only him, but like how he runs companies and. You know how he has to deal with people and like when you run a big huge company it's gonna be a lot of people you have to deal with and other people have opinions and 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 i think we all have that like you know like if you work with people that some other people don't like and then you're gonna hear for them and then like oh i hired him but you actually don't know what he's doing and (laughs) so on and uh, but like you know like also in a way having a good time don't take in everything too seriously and don't stress too much uh, you know it's like those little things also now he's not like a incredible athlete in a way like but he is too you know he's always making sure he was doing stuff like he's an incredible swimmer um and hiking and just doing stuff and i think that's really important you know i don't think it's important to like be the first guy to do first ascents or do the first new trick or i think it's more important to just 
do the things, you know, and then st- stimulate yourself that way. He seemed like he really knew how to enjoy life. I mean, I never, I never met him, but from the outside, you know, I, I knew a lot of people that knew him, and that seems like one of the common themes. He, he, he knew how to live, and he, he got a lot of enjoyment out of life. Yeah, for sure. And he likes, sh- he likes sh- sharing it with people by the sounds of it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think. I don't know. Everybody who gets older too, I think they want to also enjoy more. I would say I would like, I definitely don't care too much about things now or things I care about before. And, you know, enjoying. And then like after he had a couple of close calls to die, like he had his cancer. And and after that, I, I remember like if we would be in the room and somebody would talk negative, he'd just go like kindly asked him to if you're going to talk negative or about this stuff can you just go outside (laughs) he would just tell people straight up and then because he was just he didn't have time for that that's strong to actually control that like that that's 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 really because yeah it's easy to sort of get caught up in that especially when you're younger you know to think that stuff's important yeah is that is that changed with you then you've you've kind of let a few things go as you've got older yeah i think everybody do naturally you know you find out that nobody gives a fuck about anything really yeah that's a good lesson (laughs) that's a that's a liberating lesson when you when you realize that that's a good thing because it's like actually no one gives a shit my wife's always saying that to me whenever i get a bit stressed about bullshit she's always like think you gotta realize is no one gives a fuck what you do you know and it's it's definitely worth knowing I think. yeah definitely yeah it's like we can talk about all these issues and all the things and whatever but comes down to it if you're a country or a person or whatever nobody I, nobody gives a fuck <laughs> <laughs> definitely a good life lesson um so with jake how old were you when you first met him uh, I was 15. I was on my way to my first World Cup in St. Moritz, and it was ISPO time. And I, was, I got picked up in Munich airport, and we swung by the ISPO show, and I just met him in the Burton boot. Just talked a little bit. You know, he's he's really good at, like, he's interested, you know, so he just asked me about snowboarding. Was this when you were? Was this when you were kind of getting hooked up with Burton for the first time? Yeah, I. <laughs> Burton Europe used to have this, uh, not like a talent camp, but they Burton Europe invited every team rider for the each countries to join the Burton main team. And uh, it's a little longer story than that because Craig Kelly came to Norway to uh, for this uh, rural promotion tour he did for his smooth crew his video and his board uh he actually been on burton for a couple of years but it was like the first signature model and so he's doing promo stuff so i got to ride with him one day but i actually got offered a contract before i did any of the con- international contest um at that camp it was in october um yeah, so I remember I actually went to the Samaritan World Cup. I went to the US Open and the World Championships, and I still hadn't signed the contract. Uh, and uh, I got a really 
frustrated phone call from the Burton Norway and as she laughed it's like they were just really nervous that I was not going to sign the contract <laughs> Ash, this is Ashield who Ashield Loftus yeah who was one of the people that you always say is like a, a big influence yeah well she she's influenced too but it was her older brother I know and yeah you're right Einar Loftus he was like my older brother or and he was just insane in all kind of different sports but yeah he was uh radical i have to say so what was it like meeting craig because i know the story's pretty you know i think everyone knows that story about the fact because it was, was that up in ritz granson maybe is that right no it was in uvas it's we have we have three glaciers in norway i don't know if folgefon was open at that time but um yeah we went to uvas it's pretty close to stream it was uh september-ish and um yeah it was uh i seen the videos but like burton just came out with chill too and then i just seen him from the the sims videos when all those guys had tights and <laughs> I don't know if you remember that snow shredders. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. This is when I first basically got into snowboarding, and it's on that kind of, it's on the on the cost, wasn't it? Yeah, of like you know, and that and that was like the good freestyle movie at that time. It was really long, but it had different parts, and it was like it was Bert Lamar, it was Sean Palmer, it was Terry Kidwell, and Dan Donnelly, and Kevin Delaney, maybe, and. Polymer. I don't know if Dave Sioni had some shots and Steve Graham and it was just like you know the you know definitely some funny outfits and but at that time you know there was you know there was not that many good freestyle things so I didn't really know I didn't like see them really free ride so you know I rode with really good people like, as Einar Loftus and, and Cedric Cornell from Norway like but just two t-bar lifts with craig i was suddenly i was riding 20 centimeters lower and <laughs> i copied everything <laughs> you know i was like oh that's how low you ride yeah you know and then and then i met brush a half year later and he was riding even lower <laughs> i was really frustrated <laughs> <laughs> we're riding so low at that i think we got we gained a lot of muscle it's probably good for us yeah <laughs> so, in, a, in an early age yeah so that was basically and then after that you hooked up with Burton and, and yeah the story's pretty well told I don't think we need to I'm not going to make you recite the early 90s contest wins you know um, but I am interested in when you first went riding with Jake do you remember that yeah when is that I don't know if it was in a photo shoot in Chile in 91 or if we took some runs in Breckenridge in 90 or I don't really remember but uh, I remember we went he, first time he came to Mount Baker in probably a lot of years I was actually I had my camera with me so I was filming him and I was like looking at him I, I think I actually yelled at him too I'm like <laughs> don't do don't do so many turns <laughs> and you know and like you know like you know, he's, he's a good athlete and he knows how to snowboard, but he's not a good snowboarder. But I have to say the 15 last years or something, he got, he just, he kind of got better at snowboarding, especially free riding. 
Yeah, I'm sure like Dave Downing been giving him some pointers or whatever, but like he definitely rode with more powder and more, you know, like, yeah. So I think, you know, like you can still improve when you get older. And I think definitely he did. He got better at snowboarding, I think. Do you feel you're getting better? Better? Um, I feel like I'm getting worse in a lot of things. For a moment there, like, you know, like, there's a moment where you're like, you're so young and you're so into it that you actually dream about tricks or you always think about new ways to do tricks and whatever. And then you read all the magazine and watch every movies. But then, I don't know, you other things at least happen to me, whatever. And then you kind of just fade away from a lot of that. But the, the only thing that stays is like speed and power and how big i think like i've been improving on that more than like technical tricks and trying to learn new stuff you know more uh i still like to learn new stuff but then i learn new stuff surfing skateboarding and snow skating and i think i will still progress a little bit but like now that i got new knees i probably last till hopefully like 60, 70 plus before I have to do something new with my knees. <laughs> but I feel like I can do, yeah, I could still ride the way I wanted to ride. And then like, if I get to the point where I look at a jump and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to hit this like medium, medium joker, medium speed, instead of just hitting it like I'm, I always wanted to do, just full blast or then I, I'm probably going to say that I'm not progressing anymore. I'm I'm going the other way. But even this year, even if I had a sore neck and whatever, every time you see a jump, I'm, I feel the same way. I'm going. I want to hit that tranny or I just want to have maximum speed on that jump. So that's good. When, when you were younger and, you know, we've tried over the years i think i've interviewed you quite a few times now you know you're always like really clear about diet exercise being the reason that you'll keep riding longer really you know you always seem to me you talked about those things as like well I'd, i just want to do this as long as i possibly can and stay as fit as i can and stay as healthy as i can and you always talked about that as something that you learned from craig as well you know when you were when you were younger seeing how he looked after himself are you seeing the benefit of that now now that you're nearly 50, do you, are, are you, is it helping you continue the way you want to? Yeah, of course. Um, it means that I could still have a career of snowboarding, that's for sure. But like, I think the most important thing is when you have a lifestyle with a lot of different activities. And that's what this is what I tell my friends that don't take care of their stuff. Where only maybe I have a lot of activities I can do. So if like even if I'm a little hurt now, I have a bunch of shit I can still do. Uh, but I have friends that maybe only have they only play football, soccer, somebody pe- people call it, and their hamstrings are too tight, whatever. And then that's like maybe the best part of their lifestyle is like they can play soccer because they work, they do all this other stuff, and then at an age of thirty-five or sometimes younger or sometimes older, but like. Then they give it up because they didn't take care of the body or a little bit. And that's like, 
Yeah, and then I, I was like, you know, that's the stuff that is going to stimulate and make you feel like you're living, and you know, is to do different things, activities. I think sports, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and I think that benefits, and I'm, I learned from a lot of people, but obviously Craig was, you know, he was on the team. We always saw what he was doing and, you know, and then we went, I remember like Gooch and I and Johan went on a hike or not a hiking, a cat trip. And a lot of times we do the cat, but then you got to hike up to get to the good spots, you know, and we look around and like we were just standing around and then Craig would be already be at the top. You know, he would do more runs than we did. <laughs> um, so, you know, it has its benefits. You know, it takes a little time. I think also when you get older, you definitely got to do do more maintenance in a way. Uh, that is so boring. That, But I'd rather do a little boring stuff so I can do a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, that's how I feel. I, like, like you say, I've got friends that like... They're like, oh, I can't do, it's boring, I can't do it. And I'm always a bit like, it's going to be pretty fucking boring when you can't do anything because you, cause you're not getting your shit together. Because are you still playing a lot of football? Well, I've been, I played football this year actually because uh, that doesn't really bother my neck. So actually, I was in, uh, I played in February and my left knee that I fixed in October felt really good. Uh, but I could feel it. My knees were kind of been like I felt the meniscus thing probably for fifteen twenty years. I just, but it never, but it never locked my knee. It never really. And most people like now, you know, you don't really want to touch anything. You don't want to like take anything out. So what I did is I scraped probably like ten fifteen percent away. And now I was actually when I I did some, you know, a little stretching this morning, and I was sitting on top of my knee, and I go like. My right knee is already better than my left knee. It it just works better. Like I was sitting on top of that. Like, this is good, and uh, I can't really. I'm really looking forward to play a lot more football. Now I played some football tennis with my kid a, a week ago, or yeah, a week and a half ago. And that, maybe that was a little too early. I was a little sore <laughs> the next day, but it's been over a month now, so I don't think I'm doing any damage. So yeah. I can't wait to, you know, get back and do more skateboarding and, and actually just, you know, learn new stuff and, and push it without, like, feeling soreness after. I don't think my meniscus problem, like, put me back because I never felt it while I'm doing things. It's more like a thing in the evening and after, you know. It might be throb a little bit and then you feel it and that goes to your head. And I just thought it was like I've been, like, postponing this thing for a long time and uh, Dr. Hackett I did my operation too he just told me like hey I turned so many people around for not like and I go like and I go like you will get better off this this will like grind your cartilage less we're only doing this he like he actually told me because I had so many different opinions on people <laughs> on physiotherapists like you shouldn't do it like if it doesn't do this and that and uh uh, I think Hackett won't tell, like, you know how, like, pipe was your thing, you know? You know? Knees, that's my thing. Okay, <laughs> this is, like, t- t- telling me to calm down. This is good. 
and uh, you know I don't have any regrets so far and I think I, I, I did I did the right thing and and um, when we talk about like taking care of yourself or eating and drinking I think also people should really think about I think food and drinks it's almost equal to like doing physical therapy or physical workouts whatever it's kind of like because I'm not really a guy who likes to train a lot I do these things certain things I like to do the activities but some of the activities kind of breaks you down so you got to do the the boring maintenance stuff is the yoga and and strengthening little parts of your body a little more and I kind of probably like been putting that off I've been like listening a little bit more to some of the physiotherapists like to get a little more the small muscles involved and more balanced things but now like there's endless information on internet about stuff that you can you can really fix yourself really good if you just have the discipline and uh there's a lot of stuff I think is really stupid in the training things. and But people are different and whatever. I just don't really get the people who train a lot of strength without doing any activities, any sports. What, like, uh, like gym gym guys or yeah, just people cr- that... Yeah, CrossFit people. Just to like... Yeah. I feel like they're just doing it more for like a picture or whatever because they're not going to go out in the street and lift some cars or they're not going to try to... <laughs> you know f- feel better when like you know like i actually talked to some guys too like oh yeah we hug like uh yoti is like a, a mountain up in hokkaido and like yeah and they're like you know they're resort people that work and like yeah we finally you know there was clear skies we hiked mount yoti and we got up and it's like a five six hours and a pretty gnarly hike you know and they got up there and then they had to ride down and they go like but i just kept falling because they were so tired from the hype because they're not used to doing that much of a physical activity <laughs> so they kind of like actually they like told me like yeah i think i gotta prep next time i gotta train some strength because i couldn't enjoy going down <laughs> and and that's that's where i get like the point like that's how why i train like i i want to be physical like strong enough to do the stuff i want to do you know, sometimes I go to a banked slalom early season. I always think Mount Baker is always early. And if I didn't, like, have a little bit of strength, you won't make it through that course with, like, with strength. And then you start slipping and sliding and your end turns and then um, you're, you're not going to do good. So you got to prep for some things, even if it's, it's boring. But you can also, like, I'm learning new ways to, like, make it more fun. I just, like, never thought about it. But this guy just showed me this ankle movement but you can just kick the ball next to the wall and you're just kicking the ball and you're actually just training your ankle and that's a lot more fun to do with a rubber band or yeah yeah so there's a lot of ways you can like build up your body without being insanely boring (laughs) and uh, you know I I think also like the VR gyms are going to make it more interesting I like video games and, and game nerd like and I think like some of those games gonna be so accurate and whatever, and you're just gonna put on stuff, and you can be Jackie Chan or Indiana Jones. <laughs> or, 
and when you're done you're just sweating and i think they got to figure out how you can sweat with those things on you though i think that's a big problem but there's definitely like boxing games whatever or like the stuff that is going to be really accurate it's going to be so fun that you're not even going to think about you went to the training yeah and that's the fun thing too i think because i talked to some teachers some old colleagues of me that are now working at schools and they're working with kids and and they tell me too it's like it's not the kids that spend the most time in the in the fitness room are the strongest it's the kids that play the most outside because i think also too it was kind of the same thing for me I, I, you know i played a lot of football i just did a lot of things and then you just don't think about it but you actually push yourself a lot because you're just in the game or you're fun or you're trying to win you know team sports or individual whatever and uh, the people who think they're gonna like you know just get strong from being in the fitness room i think they have to learn how to play more i think you also lose a lot of coordination if you just do strength only that's my that's what i think but yeah you well, you can i think you've been i think you've been you've been consistent haven't you you've always you've always said that and you've always shown it you know basically i've i've i got injured playing football last year and found it hard to come back for the first time like sort of some something that would have normally taken me like two months was like six months on my knee and that's when and that you know i'm forty four i always have to no 43 fuck i can never remember um and that's the first time i've been a bit like yeah okay this is definitely changing it's getting slower gotta gotta be more on it to yeah to, to avoid that because it was depressing to be honest it is, it's boring when you have to sit around yeah definitely did you um did you look at any of the instagram questions uh no i didn't look too much there was a lot there was a lot of stuff you probably there was a lot there was a lot of olympic ones there was like there was one that was like ask him about the olympics <laughs> um yeah. there was a lot of stuff that's kind of it's almost puts you as like this the sort of spokesperson for snowboarding do you know what i mean like there was a lot of questions like ask him what he thinks about this ask him what he thinks about this do yeah you, i just feel like it's like yeah it's a hopeless case because we tried so many angles and different things and you know and then when it comes to the olympics like everybody knows but like we said earlier nobody gives a fuck <laughs> i thought the way actually actually i think germany is the closest country to give to care a little bit and give up some standards i think also if i read you probably know this you you, you know football so i think Germany went out with they were not going to play any national games against countries that doesn't have the same rights for women. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, and that's like that's a statement from a country. But like, if I look at Norway, where they want to be environmentally the best, you know, doing all this stuff, and then they want to do good stuff for human rights, and that's like the two worst things about the IOC you know like the the Olympic is a great idea but just their history and how they run it and how they just take advantage of countries people athletes yeah the list is so long and for Norway they just oh yeah gold medals oh you know like it's more like you know they read the back of the paper you know like Germany that many medals US you know like 
and that's like I don't know if it's just really old school, but I, I'm I'm looking more at the in, individual, and I'm also on a team with all these nationalities, and we're factory riders. We're not like, you know, you don't get a tax break if you're riding on the national team or whatever. Some countries, uh, I think, you get big benefits actually for winning a gold medal or whatever. But it's just like so many things for a country and for an athlete that it's not logical for me that they're supported or even go. Um, you could see with the other action sport now, surfing and skating, and then people are changing passports and na- nationalities. And <laughs> it's, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, it's happening, isn't it? There's, yeah. uh, there's, yeah. the, the, especially in skateboarding, it seems... It's, 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 yeah, I'm not even going to say it. It's such an obvious thing to say. Yeah, it's like, let's not talk about it because it's like, if you don't, haven't gotten it, like how messed up like the IOC, the, the Olympics are, you know, then it's like, you know, obviously people make career out of it. I'm like, okay, good. But like, you know, the winners are the IOC people. That's the winners. There's no other winners. Does it, does it frustrate you that, like you say, you tried a lot with snowboarding and when I say snowboarding, you know, I mean the industry and, you know, you were very involved with trying to control it as snowboarders from, from, for years, obviously for two, two decades. Does it frustrate you now that it didn't work? Uh, yeah, I think something works, you know, because it, there's also, there's all these like grassroots events everywhere and there's still independent That's events true. out there. There's a lot of, po- there's a lot of those positive things now. Definitely. Yeah. So there's a lot of good things. And why the Ski Federation, FIS and IOC got the claim of the World Cup. And, and it's just because they're going through the national system, you know, and that's how they get a monopoly on it. And then when you have athletes, coaches, team managers that just kind of go with it. You know, I spoke to some of these coaches for national teams. It's like there's like. It's insane. Like they have like seven people on a team, like two at the top, guy in the middle, and they're all talking on the radio. And then <laughs> it's like it really changed. It's not like kind of what the, the action sport is built up on. And, and and I think they have responsibility too to, to to actually you know like to take care of the sport and their athletes. And ah, oh, there's so many angles. Let's um, should we talk? About something well that i mean that is that is another question Uh, i was going to ask you though because because like i say on the instagram thing there was a lot of these questions there was a lot of like ask terry about this ask terry about that and they're all this they're all this kind of like what i more meant was was like it it, you because of because of who you are you you kind of get this position of spokesperson put on you for you know so what i was interested in is does is does that bother you is that you know the idea that because you're Terrier and you've been, you know, you've been the guy for thirty years. Like, does do, do, do you feel like it? Do you feel like your input, your opinion is 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 that valid? Because you get asked it all the time. You know what I'm saying. You get asked it all the time. You get like, come on, what do you think of this? You must have an opinion on this. You must have an opinion on this. Does how how does that feel? Is that annoying? Mm, no, it's not too annoying. But it's annoying when like people understand you but they don't do anything about it that's like frustrating it's just like okay 
you totally with me and you understand me, but then you go and do the completely opposite thing. And it could be anything from a journalist to, to an athlete to, you know, like I, uh, US Today, I, I pretty much feel like I do an interview with them every fourth year. <laughs> the same one. <laughs> and, yeah, well, and then the last one I was got like, so the last one was like 20 years for the Olympics. Um, How is that? And I'm like, well, the same as last time. Off. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I go like, yeah, it's just getting, <laughs> actually, it's just getting worse. The price money is all time low. I think I won more in the mid 90s than people do now for the ski federation contest and like thing um and then i give him a couple examples like nhl pull out all the athletes because nhl had certain what do you call it not demands but a nicer word for demands. uh stipulations um, let's use that word yeah like a stipulation for it because they want to protect their athletes is during their season and hockey is the most popular thing in the Olympics when the NHL guys yeah. are in it. Yeah. And that, that was associated. And then you have IOC members go like, well, all the NHL have also these crazy demands coming from an IOC guy that has this thick of a book for not the athletes, but for the <laughs> IOC members. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Um, I, I think just, as I said, the NHL is really smart. You know, they want to protect their athletes, uh, whatever. And then, you know, they're just like, hey, we don't need IOC. And then they just pulled out. And that's what all these other different sports should do. They should take control over the sport and not let, let IOC dictate them. And I, I gave him her all these examples. And then she didn't write about any of those because she just wrote positive things because she was scared of something or... I know, like, aren't you supposed to be a journalist? Are you supposed to dig a little deeper? And also, like, uh, if I call out a snowboard journalist or whatever, like, dig a little deeper, get the truth out there, you know? And then go, like, oh, you're so negative. Like, this is the thing, like, a lot of people think I'm negative. I'm just, like, I'm just the messenger. It's just facts that we're just telling the people. Somebody got to tell them. And then this is what I, like, I think, and that's what I stand for. But, uh you know, I'm sorry. I would wish the news were more positive, but <laughs> it's not. It's not. You got. You got to get like. Yeah, I'm not gonna s- swear, but like, I, it's kind of sad to see all these athletes in different sports or different towns like getting raped. You know, like, you know, and then you have all these athletes that are they're the tree huggers. They want to be the best, you know, role model that they possibly can be, and then suddenly. They're just supporting the worst organization ever. So it's kind of weird. And uh, if it ever going to stop, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a great idea to have all the sports together, you know. But there's a lot of things that shouldn't... Like the, how the organization, human rights, nature crimes. That's one part of it. And then I think also the sports dictation, you know, like... I told, uh, the, you know, a lot of the skaters, they, they live in the U.S. And some of the, those guys are the best. I told uh, Huffler that he should just change his passport to American. Just take the spot from an American guy and see how that goes. Instead of like most people that already live in the U.S., they go like, oh, my grandma is from Finland. They get a passport. And then like you have surfers in Indo that has 
relatives in Europe and suddenly all the Australian surfers are, they have Swiss passports or whatever. <laughs> and it'd be cool to see like you do the opposite. You actually take a spot from a, a really strong nation. You know, like if you, if you have Huffler just taking like, oh, he's going to represent the US. That would be pretty cool. But, <laughs> and that's why like you, you don't get to see the best guys in the Olympics because the qualification system. IOC, this is a, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it, but like the more nations they have involved, the more money they make. You know, why you don't see banners at the stadium? Because you see the banners at, in the store. Everything is officially licensed. Every country has, you know, like, you know, they can say they give 10% away, but I think there's a reason why there's 28 books written about the IOC. So another question that I had for you was, um, do you think sometimes your sense of humor can get misinterpreted online? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But everything gets misunderstood online if you want to also. You know, you have the, you have the people, they understand it, but they don't want to understand it. And they have it. But you like, you like fucking with people though. <laughs> like you like, you like fucking with people personally. Um, and that's obviously something that you, that's, you know, that's your sense of humor, right? Um, do you, do, do you kind of do that online to get a reaction sometimes? No, like mostly I only, I try just to fuck with people I know, people I like. <laughs> because if not, I wouldn't care, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like something we always say here. You only fuck with the people you like, you know, because enough, I wouldn't even care. Yeah. But sometimes you got to say something, you know, but yeah, like it's really easy. It's like I had a couple of things, you know, and then and then people maybe didn't get it. And then like suddenly it's just totally mis misunderstood. Yeah, you've had a couple of, you've had a couple of like things recently where people have kind of given you some shit online. Yeah, let's, like, let's say that. Cuz like you can't use urban expressions. You know, like uh, a lot of people use gay in a in a sentence that uh and then you suddenly you're homophobic. But most of the people who are homophobic is actually the people from the states because in Europe, you know, like we share double beds and you know, we have naked saunas and we just, it's never been an issue. It's just an expression. And I think most people understand it too, that you're using, a, let's say, an urban expression or whatever, but they don't want to because they can like throw some fire on the fuel or whatever. And then, uh, you know, and then, you know, like I would just say when I talk to my friends and I like, I don't like if if you're gay or like i don't know everybody was gay i didn't know he was gay and and then they just fuel the fire and actually it was kind of like i didn't do it in public but he posted it public and that got it misunderstood that suddenly uh right so it was a dm that he that, yeah it was he just posted a DM. It. i actually gave him credit right. i just wanted to see him he's a really good skateboarder and i just wanted to see him um snow skate instead of strapping in because i think the snow skating urban scene is incredible you know there's not a lot of vintage ramps they actually ollie up to the to the rails and stuff and i like i'm not saying they're not doing difficult stuff on snowboarding they're doing crazy shit that you can kill yourself it's insane 
but they also do that on scooters and rollerblades too. It's just like the style and the purpose of thing. And a lot of people can't relate to it too because you kind of almost have to have a little bobcat, a U-Haul truck with all these tools, you know. In the same way, not a lot of people can relate to heli boarding too because it's, you know, you got kind of got to get up there. But, uh, you know, like a lot of the, and I like mini shred, like, they like, oh, you don't like mini shred? Fuck, I, I fucking invented mini shred. Like, that's what we did. Like, we had the smallest pipe. We, you know, I just think with straps, when it comes to certain things, and a lot of the snowboarders now are, there's some really good skateboarders. And I, I would, like, love to see them get really good on the snowscape. So it's like, I have no problem with like mini shred, but it's like, if I think if it's cool or not, um, nah, not that cool. And I'd rather see some of these guys, you know, take it to the next level with like just a different toy, different board. But, um, you know, I still mini shred and I, I do all this stuff, but like, yeah, a lot of stuff can get misunderstood, but, you know, I'm old and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you because a lot of the a lot of the criticism was about the use of the word gay, wasn't it? And a lot of people were like, "You just can't say that because it it's 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 old school. The world's the world the world's changed." You know, that was that that was the argument, wasn't it? That like you shouldn't be saying it because the world's changed. Mm. That's like for young people or young people who don't have anything to do. You know, people go like, let's say, how does it like? It's like. Oh, you scream like a girl. Or some people will actually use the expression, you ride like a girl. And then somebody like, well, you can't really say that. I'm like, well, tell that to Jamie Anderson. And they go like, okay, you got a point. So, yeah. A lot of misunderstanding here. But, like, I, I think people shouldn't be... It's just, like, different expression, whatever. They can understand it if they really want to. And, you know, I don't think, like... Even like um, I had a, a tweet a long time ago because there was a skier that came out of the closet a year later than a big event and he got more publicity for coming out of the closet. Than, so we just had this funny thing and then like, and aren't all skiers gay, you know? <laughs> What's well, well I, I mean, I, I just thought you were, I, I thought you would try to wind people up. I mean, I, um, I... No, no. And that's like a joke. And I have like, I... Dude, I used to ski, you know, I can still ski and I can like I have a lot of ski friends, but like obviously you have all these people who don't want to understand it, you know? I, I, I just thought personally, because obviously we've known each other a long time, I just thought you were being provocative for the sake of it because you thought it was funny, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think it's funny because it's like, it's just a, just a thing, you know, like I had a... Yeah, there's so many, like, people are way too serious about certain things, I think. So, like, also when the feedback I get, like, of course, like, I have people like, oh, stop with the homophobic thing. And like, well, you don't know me, you know, like, uh, and you don't know that that expression, what it doesn't have anything to do with it. And then you have, like, mostly older people or people who actually have gay people in their family that they're like, hey, we joke about it all the time. Or we go like, hey you know don't care about them they don't want to understand an expression that doesn't have anything to do with it so so you feel that um people 
almost choose to interpret it badly well a lot of times i think you know they understand it but they don't want to let it go they just want to you know there's like it's so easy to troll on the on the media on the internet so uh but i think yeah i think like you know you also got to learn certain things too i guess about the media so you know i don't try to step on anybody's toes like that you know and but it's like also it goes the same way when people go like they have credit back to you when you don't they don't really know you or what you meant so then who is the wrong then who is wrong when they like they post a direct message that was just meant to you and i was actually giving the guy props for being so good on the board but he made it out to this other thing it's like who is the bad guy then like who so yeah definitely a lot of different opinions out there yeah that's one thing about social media there's a lot of them around so that that little film you sent me was from what a couple of days ago yeah we are pretty free in norway it's not a lot of people here oslo is a town but it's also called the world's biggest village yeah uh yeah we hike up to trivan and villar and when you think about it why i ride a snow skate is because there's mostly hills around where i am yeah you can't really call them mountains can you no you you can go up to telemark and there's some small mountains but finland doesn't have mountains sweden sweden has maybe one uh east coast of america doesn't have they have maybe one just hills <laughs> scotland yeah you ever ridden you ever ridden scotland no but i heard it's like about six resorts there yeah there are yeah yeah and they're all windy as fuck mm-hmm. and uh but yeah they're kind of you know similar like low altitude few drags yeah that kind of thing like small parks and you know what we call mini shred it's it's fun because most of us that are not really good at skateboarding we can do everything when we put straps on so that's why i think it's kind of popular to snowboard and park and you can you know you just feel like you're in your own playstation game suddenly yeah but i think why i got into more snow skating is more because it's finesse you push you carve it's more like surfing and you could still do more skateboarded related tricks yeah um and with this free time i was looking at all dv tapes and i found footage of me in argentina i think late 90s maybe 99 and is that about when the first ones came out really wasn't it yeah at least first one i saw from burton and dave downing i was following him i arrived late so this afternoon and they were already just taking the smallest lift the resort was closed for the season so it was just a burden team there and he was just carving down the hill and he says like wow these things are great you can carve on them and then we got down to the the restaurant side and it was a full session of trevor andrew and chris brown and sean white doing like trying to do a backside 180 over this rock 
Uh, I got a little clip of Dave Downing doing a frontside board slide on this tube. And I didn't really th- hmm. think of it much. I was like, oh, I'll try that later. But I didn't uh, till a couple of years later at the Burton European Open, Lavinio. They had a demos there and I, I tried a few of them and they had one with the with a sub deck the bottom board that somebody calls ski but we call it sub deck uh, yeah. was bigger and I was able to go pretty fast and carve and I was like wow this is kind of cool and yeah but that didn't really have the right top deck to more like be closer to skateboarding Till, uh, I don't know when I tried like the proper one. I don't know if it was, you know, like LibTech always made the big ones, and there was like there's different places around the world where there's snow skaters or whatever you want to call them. But yeah, when I tried this Ralston board that is made in a garage company in Carson City, I was able to make a little pop, and I was able to do the small jumps in the park and uh, that was like I was like wow this is amazing (laughs) and you know like the little banks would just be fun again and there would be challenging you jump three meters you're just like wow yeah and I think it's the difference like when you're strapped in you have you have all the power in your body because you can just pretty much do whatever yeah because you can just torque and tweak and that, a lot of the times when i snowboard i didn't even crash i just ride really hard and you get really sore <laughs> and when you do pow surfing and snow skating it's more about pushing and finesse and cruising and surfing and you can still eat shit really hard if you want to yeah uh, but also it's just more challenging it just makes more sense for me I like you know like mini shredding I was probably one of the few guys, like first guys who was trying to do mini shred lines and I never been really good at skateboarding so I could do McTwist at a 30 centimeter bank and that's fun to do and doing one foots and yeah. I've always been into that uh, but it just makes more sense for me now and like to yeah take those straps off getting comfortable shoes run around i can always help skiers with no poles to push them you know <laughs> there's a lot of those <laughs> guys out there and yeah and um like you mentioned earlier like i'm trying to provoke us like uh, because a lot of people miss themselves oh he doesn't like mini shredding i'm like i never said that i just said to uh, this guy that is really good at skateboarding and snowboarding that it would be cool to see him snow skates the urban stuff instead of trying to snowboard it because he could probably do something really cool and i don't know if he didn't want to understand it or whatever but the most important thing about that was just more like i I, when i see all these edits and people are doing they ride on the rail they make kickers i have to say comment nice kicker guys (laughs) You know, because like skateboarders, single deck guys, and even some guys on double decks, they don't even have a kicker to the rails. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of embarrassing. And I'm not saying that urban snowboarding is not dangerous or technical or hard because they risk their life. It's gnarly. They crash really hard. 
It sounds like you you know it's about the approach so right? yeah like- and the approach and then i also think it would be a lot easier for if you want to really go and hit rails or whatever if you have some kind of snowscape where you don't really need a drop-in ramp uh, a bobcat or a vinch machine or they're probably going to start using that too they use that in skate too though but like you have all this stuff that it needs to get really big to make it cool for snowboarding yeah and with just one little shovel you can you can have four hours a good session with a snowscape and uh, that's like you can do it in the backyard like I did one last year with with Rip. We got 20 centimeters in my friend's yard, Russell, and he was at work and we were just like, he was speaking about go, like going to hotel gym. I'm like, let's just go in the park. <laughs> Went outside, shoveled, and we played. And then four or five hours later, we're done. Happy, happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's... Uh, I mean, why, why do you think people when, you know, when that whole thing kicked off about the you know like them the, you know whatever the mini shot thing why do you think people were so annoyed that you expressed that opinion because there's a few people that were that were definitely like oh you shouldn't be saying that you should just be encouraging people like why why do you think it kind of wound people up uh i don't know but i didn't try to wind up people because it was a direct message he's the one who put it public yeah, yeah yeah no i know but once it went once it became a thing you know it definitely seemed to like aggregate aggravate people oh i don't know I, like i give everybody i know really well shit you know and like i mentioned earlier you don't really if i didn't like the person or whatever i, I don't comment too much on them it's more like i comment on the people i know and i like yeah i just have to because it's right there it's served on the t- table you know, there's so yeah. many good snowboarders that are, I mean, the good snowboarders, there's snowboarders that is really good at skateboarding. And I would love to see them challenge themselves or take snow skating to another level. The few times I went out with Mark, whatever, like he hadn't really been riding that much on the snowscape. He made me hit bigger jumps right away. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying 360s second day. <laughs> So, like, when you see these guys that you know that are really good at skateboarding and then they, they're just urban jibbing on their strapping in, strapping out, making kickers up to the rails. I don't know. It's kind of a weird approach, if you ask me. But, not for um, you. Yeah, it's not for me. I skipped to the next page then. But, um, yeah, I, I even, like, made mini quarter pipes in my yard, ride a short snowboard. I can do all the tricks I wanted to do that I can't do on skateboard. <laughs> yeah. So when this approach thing that you're talking about, are you basically like choosing the check-in conditions and then deciding what you're going to ride? You know, like if you're in Japan, yeah. you know, you're going to take up a, a like a power surfer or you're going to take up a board, like depending on what what the day looks like. Yeah. When I go to Japan, especially, my I actually have two board bags now. I bring the snow skates, but I probably have two power surfers and then uh, a couple of snowboards. And you look at the hills and the terrain, and then you choose your weapon from there. If there's something that you can jump off or big, you probably take the snowboard. But other than that, it's mostly power surfing in that terrain. And on, I don't know, if the powder is gone down this, we, we do the snow skate. 
so it's uh, it's good to have like a quiver of toys. Uh, sucks for traveling. Sometimes actually, I, I get a hold of a snowscape when I get there. It's yeah. Just whatever. But it's yeah, definitely even like someplace you know like I seen. I even think Johan did heli runs with his power surf in Alaska. Uh, you know, and Woolly guy, like, he's, you know, he's a good surfer skater. He's a, just a good overall boarder. And he was, you know, like, he had some mini magnets in his Asmo. And f- in the beginning, we were like, how can he do this? Tr-? Like, <laughs> the board flies away. And then he finally told us, oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, give me some. Some magnets on the boots yeah. to attach to the board. Yeah, he told me he doesn't use those anymore, though. He he managed a way to get the board up to the hand pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, it took me three years to actually get those magnets in my boots. But when I got them, I felt like you can go a little faster. You can ride over pillows a little easier. And you can get the board up to your hand before it blows away. They're right. so weak, though. So if you have a little snow, you like... You're definitely going to eat shit anyway, but you just have that little extra where the board doesn't fly away. And that is not for all the power surfs because some of them are heavy enough that it doesn't fly away in the wind. And you can spring load it like you're kind of like spring loading a surfboard in the water when you're doing like yeah pop ollies kind of. Uh, it's kind of the same in the snow. You can like and get, get a hold of the board. Magnets are... Oh, you're cheating. I'm like, well, you have straps on. You're definitely cheating. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no cheating. It's just like whatever you want to feel like when you go down. Well, he's making it look good. Yeah. So he can do what he wants. And some of those, the the if you go back to the snow skates, there are people riding 155s in powder. They work fine. I ride the 126 a lot now. And if there's 20 meter, I mean, 20 centimeter of powder... I'm fine in the woods if it's hard under. It's all like actually better because a lot of the trannies in forest and stuff when they, a lot of people are written it is really tight, and then you're just surfing every bank. You're just using the train a lot more. Yeah. Like if I go to a tree on a snowboard, like it would take me thirty seconds to get to the bottom. I wouldn't like. Yeah. Little banks wouldn't be that, you know, interesting anymore. Well, I guess it's like any of those things, isn't it? It just makes you look at the terrain in a different way, doesn't it? It's like if you put skis on or whatever or, you know, ride a different surfboard, whatever it is, you just suddenly can't take it for granted, can you? You know, you have to, you look at terrain differently and like you say, it's just more of a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think some people think it's a little harder than it looks and it just takes a little bit, a couple of days before your ankles are ready or, and, but get the right board for you get the right size uh it definitely helped to get like the right type of snow skate for you because if you do get it too small it, it is going to be really hard and yeah and if you're a small person if you get it too big it's going to be hard so you got to get like gotta have the right equipment that helps a lot yeah uh, and also with like the snowboards and and the snow skate you gotta wax like it it makes it so much better to have a wax board yeah like riding a snow skate that is not waxed is horrible no fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where, you, where where do you want to go riding when this is done um because it's gonna be it's gonna be a while i think isn't it well rick's grandson is open <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting Scandinavia's on a different program, really. Yeah. So you're probably all right. And Sweden. All right, Scandinavia aside, where do you want to go riding when you when you can travel properly again? Well, I didn't get uh, enough powder this year since I had a couple of incidents. <laughs> yeah, you were saying about your about your injuries and stuff. Yeah, so, so that- I plan to go to New Zealand. I like, I li- like New Zealand a lot. I... For maybe a ten-year period, I almost went there every year. Uh, yeah, New Zealand's right. Yeah, I still remember a lot of the runs in one area in the Methan. Yeah. Area, and there's surf there, and there's you always fly over these tropical islands to get there too. So it's kind of mandatory stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can do that as well. Is that end section from Subject Arkansas Methan? Yeah, it's a uh, method and not Queenstown, but where the park is, the next town over. Um, Wanaka. Yeah, Wanaka. Wanaka Heli and Methan Heli. When was the last time you watched that film? I saw a couple of clips of it in this TV documentary my kids saw with me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Uh, but it's been a while since I've seen the whole thing but it's really sh- it's only 20 minutes so yeah I mean there's some mini shred in that right there's a the little one foot bank section um, well you want ski does you want skis yeah <laughs> well if you look at that now it's probably all mini shred <laughs> yeah exactly yeah because yeah. I remember all there was all that flatland stuff as well right around then which I guess would count yeah there's a little I was not I don't think I filmed too much Flatland but it was probably on the evolution part yeah Noah Selesnik that was a big inspiration for me yeah uh, well I mean as the years go on he just looks even more influential doesn't he and, and he was he loved buttering he would go up to Mount Hood and not even ride the pipe and just butter a whole day <laughs> that's right and he was a he was a pro skateboarder too yeah, he's in Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Fucking hell. Don't get more legit than that. So, you know, whatever rocks your boat, you know. But, you know, people, don't get it wrong. I, I'm not hating on anything. I always just, just teasing. If yeah. You serve, it, serve, serve it on the civil plate. You got to get some comments. Well, that's that's why I asked you the question in that yeah, way. Yeah, people are, that's what I thought, people are so... Up, that's what I thought was, was going on. People are way too uptight and can't, like... Yeah, I don't know. Look at my face. I've been laughing a lot. <laughs> it's a sign of a good <laughs> a good life. The the more lines the better, that's what I say. Do you remember uh do you remember the guy Chris Moran? He was in the Burton Europe team, British guy, years back. Anyway, he asked me to ask you about the balance with the sword graphic and why yeah, like what what like the ninety three board, right? with the sword base so where where did where did that come from that that graphic idea because it's kind of like the iconic graphic really isn't it yeah like early 90s it was for burton i think at least this was like jeff brushy's kind of carrot he's probably told if he win the world cup he'll get a pro model so he did i think in 91 right and the next year I did and he had the brushy and we ended up calling mine the Hawk and Air so that was the one before the balance no 
and after the <laughs> the Hawken era was uh, I didn't want to call it my name because I'm not right. I'm not really into pro model products in that way. Yeah. So then we call it the 152 because I thought all the guys who had pro models they kind of went between 150 and 155. So I made a board that was 152.5 and I call it 152. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you like the the pro model thing? Uh I don't know like it's fine to if somebody was behind a product help designing it and I do that but just having a name of a my own name on a product I wouldn't use it <laughs> definitely I, I'm, I don't have a problem using somebody else's pro model but if I was going to use a product with my name and then that's going to be sold it didn't really work for me I don't really like having my yeah, my name written big on like, unless I play soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the back of the shirt, yeah. then that's fine. <laughs> yeah, when you say that, actually, I kind of never even really thought about that. But you've you've never had like a, well, I can't think of anything then where it's been like the Terrier kind of thing. It's just never really happened, right? So that was a conscious thing. Yeah, so I always try to find different name for stuff. If it was like a boot or a watch or whatever, or... I linked some products into the Arctic Challenge, and uh, but I still work with the, the the tech designers, and we do prototypes. So it's the kind of same way. It's just without like, yeah, not without making it a real blatant kind of ego thing. Yeah, I'm sure Michael Jordan uses his own shoes, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> preference. So what about that graphic then on the sword one? Because I saw a guy, might have about five years ago, he had the tattoo on his arm. Yeah, I get, um, see, I get a lot of... See many of them? Yeah, I get the sword and the cat quite a bit. A lot of people ask me who designed that board. The only thing I know it was somebody from New York. Um, it is a kid. I was pretty young at the time. And a Jagger... It's a company that worked for Burton for many years that did all the designs, ads, did a bunch of stuff. Mick Jagger was the head guy there and he, I don't know, like we'll talk about stuff and then they will come up with concepts and uh, so it's kind of like, you know, it's childish because I'm just a kid playing with my wooden sword. Yeah, but he thought I was like I was going to the pipe to play with people. <laughs> right. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's a lot of his theories too, but yeah, yeah. And uh, I probably told him that I used to play a lot with swords. There's yeah. a lot of sorrow going on in the yard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's funny. You still you still got that board? Uh, I have a base. Um. Actually, I don't think I have one, but there was a guy who had a pretty new one from Belgium. I was going to do a trade for him. I was going to send him some step-on boots, and he was going to send me the board. <laughs> that's a, that, I mean, that's a good trade. Yeah, he actually hit me up a few days ago. Do, you, do we still have a deal or what? <laughs> and I'm like, I guess, yeah, I should. 
I guess that I guess that's one of the most collectible boards now, really, isn't it? In that market, it's kind of like the mo- one of the most iconic ones. Yeah, and I don't know about that. I just said yeah, but uh, you don't have the eBay alert on then when it comes up. <laughs> but they start making it. They they on the top sheet. My name is on like where it says Sintered Base, made by Burton. Yeah, and then my name Terry Hawkins, and then it says in the front there's like a shield. And it says a T, and then it said Hawken again. And then on the bottom, he wanted to, like, you know, like if you put your name on your toy. Yeah. And then he put Terrier. I don't know why I said Terrier, but we say Terrier. But uh, on the, like, you burn it in your sword. And that was like, I was like, then my name was on the product again, so I was like, ah, oh, it's like just all over. So I got them to take it away. So I think there was made like 500 with the names on the, the right. sword, and then the rest, they took it out. Right. So that's the story about the sword. Yeah. Well, I'm, sh- I'm not surprised you gassed it a lot. Yeah. You know, and it looks like he had a lot of mushrooms when you look at him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some Matt George asked me to ask you this, but I want to know anyway. What 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 does it mean? The Instagram name. Oh, shukurumpa means shuku means it's for short for chocolate, and the rumpa is means ass. <laughs> so right. it could be a chocolate ass. What's your next question? My next Do I like question. Chocolate ass. <laughs> Do you like chocolate ass? <laughs> I like chocolate ass. <laughs> Um, what is my next question? That's that's throwing me. I I have that name because when Instagram was um, in the beginning, uh, there's not too many. Most of my friends were there, but didn't uh, you know? They were not an athlete or let's say like a public person, and they had all these f- cool, funny names. And yeah. I'm like, I want to have a funny, cool name too, <laughs> and I just stuck with it. So yeah. So what's the plan for the rest of today? Uh, I'm gonna go fishing actually with the English blokes that live in <laughs> Norway. Oh yeah, Duncan. So yeah, we're gonna go see if we can get some sea trout, mackerel. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. Final question. I got to ask you one football question because I thought I'd put it at the end so people didn't turn it off at the start. Um, do you think they should finish the Premier League? Um. If they should finish it, no, I think they should just start all over again, erase it. That's what I think, but then we're not Liverpool fans, so that's probably why. Yeah, yeah, I think it's only fair to start over again. Don't you, don't you think so? <laughs> I just don't see how they can do it. I just think, like, it, you know, it, even if this finished, where are we now? We're like early April. So let's say they, let's, let's say they could start playing again in June. No one's going to be fit. No one's going to be match fit. So like you're gonna have to. It's gonna just be. It's just yeah. gonna be weird. It's gonna be a weird thing. It's gonna have a little asterisk next to it because it because it's yeah. not. It won't, people won't be able to play. No, it's gonna be different. It's not gonna be the same. Like, but I I don't think Liverpool are gonna lose. How many games do they have to lose? Nine. <laughs> They're not gonna lose nine games. Ten. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's pretty. I think the first place settled, but. I guess the other places are not settled, so yeah, tough call. Yeah, 
I hate to be the one to call yeah, that fuck one. that. <laughs> Actually, I do have one more question, which is something I asked you the first time I interviewed you. Um, silly question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If you could only play football or snowboard from now on, what would you choose? Uh, such a different thing because it's one with with a team and one is more individual in a way. But um, are you speaking about professional or just as a leisure activity? Professional. Yeah, professional, I will definitely pick snowboarding because not that the pay is better, <laughs> but there's a lot more... <laughs> There's a lot more freedom. Um, I have he retired now, but I had a I had a couple of friends that were professional and are your mates with your mates with Risa, aren't you? Or you did that thing with Risa, I remember you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not mates with uh, Risa, but uh, Frodo Johnson. He played professional in Japan for a long right. time. Played for for Rosenberg here in sure. Norway. He's my my age. He's actually a really good snowboarder and. Um, uh, he has a cabin up where uh, I grew up. He's from Telemark too. So we used to be on the Telemark re- uh, region team when we were kids. And he, when he was playing, he doesn't have any free time. A soccer player doesn't have any free time compared to individuals. So if you do like an action sport, you will, like we have so much free time to do other stuff, to learn other stuff. And it's we do a lot of different stuff. You know, like if you're just a pipe or a slope style board and you just do that as um, a lot of people do. I think I saw a quote just a couple of days ago from uh, Grasso, the, the skateboarder who passed away, where he did a podcast where he was just saying you have skateboarders that is incredible good at skateboarding, but they're not skateboarders. He kind of explained like, they're just more like I kind of told to skateboard, to just skating for a different purpose, yeah. you know. And you have those, you have those in snowboarding too. I think, you know, yeah. People go like, "Oh no, it's snowing today. We can't ride the pipe or the park." And then I, I was talking to a physiotherapist in Austria, and she was just like, "Well, we have powder. That's <laughs> like what we live, you know." Like, <laughs> and um, if you do snowboarding with like. You take the bindings off, you power surf a little, and you can use the snow skate, and you can split board. You can do so many different things on a board. It doesn't get stagnated, I think. And if you can do it for a long time, I think, yeah. And, like, you know, football is is fun and stuff, but it's... I, like, if you play every day and stuff, I think it would... I think it would stagnate a little bit for me. It's nice to jump in the water and stand sideways. That's what you said last time. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, there we go. Hey, man, well, th- thanks for doing this. I finally got you. Only, I've only been asking you for three years. So there you go. That was me and Terrier. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, I think we proper went there. Like I said at the beginning, me and Terrier are friends, but I did want to challenge him and give him the opportunity to discuss some of the recent opinions he's uttered and controversies that have arisen from there i've personally as you could probably tell had my own take on this which is that terrier is basically a complete piss taker who likes to wind people up i've personally been on the receiving end of this a few times and i've come to recognize it 
as the act of a proper woman, that's wind up merchant, if you're wondering. So, you know, when I wanted to ask him about this stuff, it was in that light because I suspected it was a combination of that whole liking to challenge people and enjoying taking the piss thing that I've certainly recognized in Terry over the years. And I think if you followed the arc of his career or even listened to my interview with Todd Richards the other year, in which he basically said he'd always found Terry to be a bit of a dick, really, it's a consistent theme. But one that is, as I think his explanation revealed, driven by the desire to impose his own high standards on things and also the fact that he clearly doesn't give a fuck what other people think of his opinions. You know, I think that's the thing about these greats. They tend not to be wide like the rest of us. That's why we're able to, they're able to achieve such greatness, push standards so far, grab the thing they're involved in by the scruff of the neck. It's a pretty common theme that sometimes there are aspects that people don't always like that come with that. I mean, look at Kobe Bryant, for example. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's how it is. You know, anyone who's listened to this podcast at all closely at any point will probably realize I'm unlikely to agree with Terry on the whole Gus Kenworthy issue. But like I said at the beginning, I do have skin in this game as we are friends. And I try not to judge my friends. If I judged all my mates by my own ultra left-wing liberal standards, well, I wouldn't have that many mates. Let's put it that way. So I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you enjoyed the way we tackled those is those issues. I personally thought they were pretty revealing and um, big up Terry for getting involved. As ever, you can find full episodes and show notes over at my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com, as well as links to all my old episodes, which includes interviews with other legends such as Travis Rice, Alex Honold, this is for the benefit of the new people, by the way, Brian Aguchi. Tom Burt, Tom Carroll, Lane Beachley, Jeremy Jones, and so on and so forth. You can also find people like Gwyn Haslock, who's equally as valid. You probably never heard of her. But if you are going to go over there, I'd suggest start with that one. Surprise yourself. While you're there, you can also sign up for my newsletter, where I send out every fortnight now the 10 things I think are worth sharing that week. No spam, just interesting stuff I find on the internet that if you like this, you'll probably also enjoy. There's also a blog now, which has a lot of other stuff on there to keep you busy. You can buy some merchandise using the shop tab if you want to support the blog and keep the whole thing ad-free, which I think probably we all do. Um, I'm also at Instagram at We Look Sideways, if that's your bag. And you can now also sign up to my YouTube channel if you're into that type of thing. Apparently, people like listening to podcasts on YouTube and it is, as we're constantly told, the second biggest search engine in the world. So I'm currently putting all my old episodes on there while we're in the middle of this lockdown, starting with this one, the Terry Harkinson or Terry Heineken interview, if you like. So at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that me and Terry tried to get a book off the ground for a couple of years. Now it was called Picture Book with a K in homage to Subject Harkinson. And, you know, I think we thought it was a really good idea. We were going to basically map his career using the classic imagery and he was going to talk through the pictures and we were going to use that as like a chronology of his life and career you know it's a lot of good stuff in there so we put a put a proposal together we had Tozer involved he was going to design it and do the cover and you know we we really tried to get it off the ground for a couple of years but it didn't happen you know like I said industry reasons I was baffled personally but there you go didn't happen didn't get it off the ground segue alert a little like the looking sideways california book which i've been chatting about for a while which i regret to say has been scuppered by the covid19 crisis because the people that were going to pay for it 
obviously have decided now they can't afford it, which is completely fair enough. And, you know, can't say I'm in the least bit surprised. But that does mean we've got a book pretty much finished with no publisher or money right now because I don't make any money from this and Tozer certainly doesn't make any money from this. So we've been chatting, me and Owen, about whether we should whisper it, set up a Kickstarter campaign. Is that what the world needs? Another Kickstarter at the height of the worst economic and public health crisis of the last century? Would you, the look, um, this isn't a rhetorical question. This is an actual question. I'm asking you what you think. Would you, the loyal looking sideways listening public, consider contributing to said Kickstarter if we got it sorted? Let me know either by dropping me a DM over at We Look Sideways on Instagram or sending me an email to podcast at wearelookingsideways.com because I've always said it was a platform for Owen's work, this. It's a brilliant project. That I mean, he based, it's his pictures and the trip we did from California and he's designed it all. So it's it's good to go. I just want to know if people would be bothered about supporting it because if they are, we'll probably do it. All right, I think that's enough for this week. Tell you what about having all these channels it means that housekeeping corner suddenly there's a lot to tick off once you go through you know i didn't even mention twitter this time anyway big thanks for listening to this episode and i'll be back with another guest from my zoom hit list next week nice one (laughs) 